0: Welcome to Nightfall Narratives, the podcast that goes where shadows and stories intersect to explore the eerie and enigmatic. Join us as we journey into the heart of the unknown, immersing ourselves in tales of suspense and terror. In each episode, we'll either read a spine tingling tale or we'll take a closer look at the art of writing, unraveling the mysteries of storycraft that make such tales so eerily effective. So, Sit back, relax, and feel the embrace of the mysterious as we embark on this journey into the heart of the night. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Nightfall Narratives. I'm your Nightfall narrator, R. Douglas Patton. In this episode, we'll read another classic tale of terror, The Highwaymen by Lord Dunsany. Be sure to stick around for the follow-up episode as we'll discuss the Jungian psychological concept of the animus or the anima and how Lord Dunsany used it in this tale to express the dark side of the moon of a character's personality. We'll also talk further about how you can employ the Jungian archetype of the animus or anima in your own storycraft and influence your readers. So, without any further fanfare, Nightfall Narratives presents The Highwayman. By Lord Dunsany Tom of the roads had ridden his last ride, and was now alone in the night. From where he was a man might see the white recumbent sheep, and the black outline of the lonely downs, and the grey line of the farther and lonelier downs beyond them. Or, in hollows far below him, out of the pitiless wind, he might see the grey smoke of hamlets arising from black valleys, But all alike was black to the eyes of Tom, and all the sounds were silence in his ears. Only his soul struggled to slip from the iron chains and to pass southwards into paradise. And the wind blew and blew. For Tom, tonight, had naught but the wind to ride. They had taken his true black horse on the day when they took him from the green fields and the sky, men's voices and the laughter of women and left him alone with chains about his neck to swing in the wind forever. And the wind blew and blew. But the soul of Tom of the Rhodes was nipped by the cruel chains, and whenever it struggled to escape it was beaten backwards into the iron collar by the wind that blows from paradise from the south. And swinging there by the neck, there fell away old sneers from off his lips, and scoffs that he had long since scoffed at God, fell from his tongue, and there rotted old bad lusts out of his heart, and from his fingers the stains of deeds that were evil, and they all fell to the ground and grew there in pallid rings and clusters. And when these ill things had all fallen away, Tom's soul was clean again, as his early love had found it, a long while since in spring and it swung up there in the wind with the bones of Tom, and with his old torn coat and rusty chains. And the wind blew and blew. And ever and anon the souls of the sepultured, coming from consecrated acres, would go by beating up wind to paradise past the gallows tree, and past the soul of Tom that might not go free. Night after night, Tom watched the sheep upon the downs with empty hollow sockets, till his dead hair grew and covered his poor dead face, and hid the shame of it from the sheep, and the wind blew and blew. Sometimes on gusts of the wind came someone's tears, and beat and beat against the iron chains, who could not rust them through. And the wind blew and blew and every evening all the thoughts that Tom had ever uttered came flocking in from doing their work in the world, and the work that might not cease, and sat along the gallows' branches and chirruped to the soul of Tom, the soul that might not go free. All the thoughts that he had ever uttered, and the evil thoughts rebuked the soul that bore them because they might not die, and all those that he had uttered the most furtively, chirruped the loudest and the shrillest, in the branches, all the night. And all the thoughts that Tom had ever thought about himself now pointed at the wet bones and mocked at the old torn coat. But the thoughts that he had had of others were the only companions that his soul had to soothe it in the night as it swung to and fro. And they twittered to the soul and cheered the poor dumb thing that could have dreams no more, till there came a murderous thought and drove them all away and the wind blew and blew. Paul, archbishop of Allois and Valence, lay in his white sepulchre of marble, facing full to the southwards towards paradise, and over his tomb was sepultured the cross of Christ, that his soul might have repose. No wind howled here as it howled in lonely tree tops up upon the downs, but came with gentle breezes, orchard-scented, over the lowlands from Paradise, from the southwards, and played about the forget me nots and grasses in the consecrated land where lay the reposeful round of the sepulchre of Paul, Archbishop of Alois and Vaillance. Easy it was for a man's soul to pass from such a sepulchre, and, flitting low over remembered fields, to come upon the garden lands of Paradise and find eternal ease. And the wind blew. And blue In a tavern of foul repute three men were lapping gin Their names were Joe and Will and the gypsy Pulion None other names had they for of whom their fathers were they had no knowledge but only dark suspicions Sin had caressed and stroked their faces often with its paws but the face of Pulion Sin had kissed all over the mouth and chin Their food was robbery, and their pastime murder. All of them had incurred the sorrow of God and the enmity of man. They sat at a table with a pack of cards before them, all greasy with the marks of cheating thumbs, and they whispered to one another over their gin, but so low that the landlord of the tavern at the other end of the room could hear only muffled oaths, and knew not by whom they swore or what they said. These three were the staunchest friends that ever God had given unto man, and he to whom their friendship had been given had nothing else besides, saving some bones that swung in the wind and rain, and an old torn coat, and iron chains, and a soul that might not go free. But as the night wore on, the three friends left their gin and stole away, and crept down to that graveyard where rested in his sepulcher Paul. Archbishop of Valois and Valence, At the edge of the graveyard, but outside the consecrated ground, they dug a hasty grave, two digging while one watched in the wind and rain, and the worms that crept in the unhallowed ground wondered and waited. And the terrible hour of midnight came upon them with its fears, and found them still beside the place of tombs. And the three friends trembled at the horror of such an hour in such a place, and shivered in the wind and drenching rain, but still worked on, and the wind blew and blew. Soon they had finished, and at once they left the hungry grave with all its worms unfed, and went away over the wet fields stealthily but in haste, leaving the place of tombs behind them in the midnight, and as they went they shivered, and each man as he shivered cursed the rain aloud, and so they came to the spot where they had hidden a ladder and a lantern. There they held long debate whether they should light the lantern, or whether they should go without it for fear of the king's men. But in the end, it seemed to them better that they should have the light of their lantern, and risk being taken by the king's men and hanged then that they should come suddenly, face to face in the darkness, with whatever one might come face to face with a little after midnight about the gallows tree. On three roads in England, whereon it was not the want of folk to go their ways in safety, travelers tonight went unmolested. But the three friends, walking several paces wide of the king's highway, approached the gallows tree, and Will carried the lantern, and Joe the latter... But Puglioni carried a great sword wherewith to do the work which must be done. When they came close, they saw how bad was the case with Tom, for little remained of that fine figure of a man, and nothing at all of his great resolute spirit, only, as they came, they thought they heard a whimpering cry, like the sound of a thing that was caged and unfree. To and fro... To and fro in the winds swung the bones and the soul of Tom, for the sins he had sinned on the king's highway, against the laws of the king. And with shadows and a lantern through the darkness, at the peril of their lives, came the three friends that his soul had won before it swung in chains. Thus the seeds of Tom's own soul that he had sown all his life had grown into a gallows tree that bore in season iron chains and clusters while the careless seeds that he had strewn here and there, a kindly jest and a few merry words, had grown into the triple friendship that would not desert his bones. Then the three set the ladder against the tree, and Puglioni went up with his sword in his right hand, and at the top of it he reached up and began to hack at the neck below the iron collar. Presently, the bones and the old coat and the soul of Tom fell down with a rattle, and a moment afterwards his head that had watched so long alone swung clear from the swinging chain. These things Will and Joe gathered up, and Puglioni came running down his ladder, and they heaped upon its rungs the terrible remains of their friend, and hastened away wet through with the rain, with the fear of phantoms in their hearts, and horror lying before them on the ladder. By two o'clock they were down again in the valley out of the bitter wind. But they went on past the open grave into the graveyard, all among the tombs, and with their lantern and their ladder, and the terrible thing upon it, which kept their friendship still. Then these three, that had robbed the law of its due and proper victim, still sinned on for what was still their friend, and levered out the marble slabs from the sacred sepulchre of Paul, Archbishop of Valois and Veyonce, and from it they took the very bones of the archbishop himself, and carried them away to the eager grave that they had left, and put them in, and shoveled back the earth. But all that lay on the ladder they placed, with a few tears, within the great white sepulchre under the cross of Christ, and put back the marble slabs. Thence the soul of Tom, arising hallowed out of sacred ground, went at dawn down the valley, and lingering a little about his mother's cottage and old haunts of childhood, passed on and came to the wide lands beyond the clustered homesteads. There, there met with it all the kindly thoughts that the soul of Tom had ever had, and they flew and sang beside it all the way southwards, until at last, with swinging all about it, it came to paradise. But Will and Joe... And the gypsy, Puglioni, went back to their gin, and robbed and cheated again in the tavern of foul repute, and knew not that in their sinful lives they had sinned one sin, at which the angels smiled. As the shadows lengthen and the night falls, we come to the end of another episode of Nightfall Narratives we hope you found our exploration of dark and mysterious storytelling and the art of writing thought-provoking and haunting. Remember, the stories we tell have the power to both chill us to the bone and inspire us to create our own. Join us again for our next episode. And until then, keep your eyes open and your mind curious, for anything is possible.